The Witching Hour with Aaron Mazza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Todd Productions. My name is Aaron Mazza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey everyone, it's Aaron. I am so happy to be back behind this microphone making content for you guys. I had to take a few days off because of illness, but I am here with a fresh new episode that I recorded with the amazing Ash McKernan, author of Weirdcraft and also a very talented musician. And as always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did making it. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Hey, Ash, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? doing all right it sounds like you and i are enjoying coffee or whatever morning beverage you prefer i don't know how you knew that but yes that's <laughs> I, I, I heard you take a sip i've got i have a creepy uncanny hearing you know that sound that coffee I, sound oh i do it's the sip of life as i've come to call it <laughs> i agree <laughs> ash tell us a bit about yourself who is ash in a nutshell ash in a nutshell well, I've been, I guess, in the world of paganism for, I don't know, almost a couple decades and in the world of psychotherapy for almost a decade, maybe six, seven years. Before all that, I was a musician. And before that, I was a child of the forest. Oh, so wow. Kind of all of that, all of that mixed together. I've had time to steep in all of those things. So now I'm living in Maine. I just finished a book and I'm continuing to play music and continuing to see clients in therapy and continuing to spend lots of time in the wilderness here. It's a beautiful place and it's just a very magical spot where I get to commune with the mountains and chipmunks and swim and just spend lots of time outside that's kind of me in a nutshell could say more but i'll leave it at that (laughs) it's always nice to leave a little bit of mystery well that sounds like quite a recipe you mentioned you do psychotherapy so that means you have like a practice and so you, you do that as well that is just i read that in your book where you believe in like the intersection between magic and healing and stuff of that nature. But we'll talk more about Mm -hmm. that later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how did you find this path? Did you grow up with it? Or was it just sort of a innate curiosity that took you down this path? I did not grow up with it in the sense that I was kind of raised in a, you know, in any tradition or in any pagan culture, really, except that I was raised in the country. And I think that that, so in a sense, I was raised, yeah, it was a part of my life from the very get-go. I was born before, well, you know, I grew up before the internet, really, and before cell phones and all that. And my family didn't really have a lot of TV or, you know, video games or anything like that. So I would just spend my time outside wandering the forests and the fields in Ohio. And yeah, I started to just feel just really feel into that experience and i loved it and i didn't know why at the time but with time 
I came to have more and more love for nature. And eventually that kind of led into exploring it at you know deeper levels and whatnot through meditation. And then I was raised Catholic. So I was raised with a certain amount of ritual, but I never really felt the divine necessarily in church for different reasons. And I always felt it in the forest. So I knew that there was something that there was like a God or whatever, however I was conceptualizing it at the time, but it felt more true in the forest than it did in the church. So yeah. And then, you know, my path meandered through different, different traditions, but yeah, that's pretty much how it all got started growing up in the country, spending a lot of time alone. Yeah. Alone with my dog and cat in the woods. (laughs) So hold on. You would take your cat out with you into the forest they would kind of follow me. Yeah, oh. we would all just, we'd all kind of go together. Not every time, but, you know, if our schedules met up, <laughs> then, uh, we would, yeah, we'd go walking around and explore together. And they were good friends with each other. So, we, yeah, we were all, all good friends. That's really cool. It's kind of like you said something real funny, like whenever our schedules lined up, cats do yeah. not have masters. They have personal assistants. <laughs> yes. In my opinion, I'm probably going to get strongly worded emails about this. Cats have two personalities. They're either the CEO type or the serial killer type. (laughs) I like that. They either sit there and plot your demise from across the room, or they're like, hey, Ash, can you cancel my 930 for me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. They expect to be understood, for sure. (laughs) And and when they are, they really appreciate it. And... I think you can learn to speak their language and they have a lot of magic, of course. Oh, yes, they do. They strike me as the type of individuals where if they were human, they would send you a small fruit basket for the holiday. (laughs) That is, I know. I love fruit. So I like fruit too. It's (laughs) like a, this is just one of those weird rabbit trails. I'll go down and, and just talk about. I've always sit there and honestly thought about what, what would this particular cat, my, my best friend lives in Baltimore and my niece Olive, which is a house cat, I'm pretty sure is the serial killer type. Cause every time I've gone out there to visit, she's always sitting in the corner of the room, scowling at me, mm-hmm. just waiting for the right moment for me to go down the stairs and, and, and she would be the one to push me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you consider yourself a practitioner of witchcraft? Do you consider yourself a witch, per se? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I have resonated with that designation or term or, or identity for a bit. And some other ones in there too. Druid, Druid feels right, just because of my connection with trees and, and nature. A bit of a fairy too. But yeah, there's different ones but yeah which yeah that's right mm-hmm. i mean it's it, it and like you it's like anyone can connect with more than one title just like you said it's about what resonates with you what strikes that chord inside of you people always try to put themselves in a box because in like mundane society we're always trying to put things in a box mm-hmm. in the path of the craft what i found is the only thing boxers are good for is keeping all your magical tchotchkes <laughs> in, yeah. in one place. I like that. 
Yeah, it's fun to open the box and to, I don't know, empty the box out now and then and refill it and can have multiple boxes. Right. There's no limit on the boxes. Typically, whenever you're trying to put something in a box, it's what I've said in other episodes in the past. It's a lot of us who have found this path or what I call refugees from organized religion. And we run away from dogma just to try to create our own dogma. We're always looking to try to put a check mark on something that gives us a definite definition. And we just have this hard. It's just so hard for us to think in the abstract nowadays. That's one reason why I really love weird, because weird as a the ancient term weird, but also the modern term weird, I think they both apply in the sense that whatever is happening, whoever we are, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, however much we try to understand what is happening, it really is weirder than can be imagined. And so to have an identity or to have a set of practices or a sense, you know, any sort of like solid idea, it could block some things. It could block the full fruition of who we're meant to become or our our full magic. Though they can be helpful, they're tools and whatnot. But yeah, ultimately, it's just weirder. It's weirder than that. It's more bizarre. It's more strange. It's more unknown and more magical than we can imagine. And yeah, the words are wonderful. To identify as a witch is wonderful, but what does that mean to each of us? We all have our own weird. And exploring that is part of the fun of craft and part of the fun of just being, being alive. What does that mean for you, for me, for others, and for us? Because, yeah, we share share a lot of the same meaning together, and we make our own. And, and kind of like it's uh, – you actually cover this in the first chapter of your book, which is one of the things that I really enjoyed is where you talked about the history and the etymology of the word weird. Because I confess I'm not very familiar with the concept of weird. How would you define weird? Would you say it's like our potential? Like you mentioned, would you just define it as sort of like a mystical potential? That's a good way to put it. I do think that weird is a, is a very multifaceted and multidimensional concept. So there's a lot of different ways to define it. And there's a lot of ways that it, it just can't be defined, no matter how hard we try. It's a mystery. A big part of weird is that potential and the process that we're all in, individually and collectively, spiritually, psychologically, physically, we're all in process. And there's so much potential within each of us that is, you know, blocked or stunted or hidden by different wounds or conditioning, assumptions, delusions, etc. So weird craft is this kind of idea of healing, healing these wounds to kind of free up, free up that potential to go deeper in and yeah, find that potential, free it up. And, and that's healing. It's a very healing process to do that because we kind of welcome in the, the energies of nature and the healing power of magic that is you know, it's flowing through everything. So yeah, I really, I like that, you know, that potential and that's just so cool that you say that. It, but and like you mentioned that like this potential, this weird that we have can get like tied up. I've always, always thought this, that like our uh, magical potential can be tied up. I visualize it sort of like knots by like traumas from our childhood mm-hmm. and traumas and like you mentioned, wounds from different relationships. And as we work to heal these things and to 
release these things, you mentioned that it's also healing for nature itself. What are your thoughts on that? How is healing ourselves healing nature? The way I view it and many others as well is that there is no separation between us and nature. We are nature. What we think of as nature, we are like a fruit that came from that or a seed even. Weird is this mystery, this thing, you know, that connects everything. It permeates everything in this process of becoming. And it includes us, our bodies. It includes our minds, our psyches. It includes nature, the psyche of nature or the the soul of nature. It includes our relationships. You know, I kind of break it break it up in the in the book a little bit, but the whole idea is that everything is connected. So, for example, if I were to have a trauma, and maybe that trauma would influence how I view others. Maybe it would make me hyper vigilant. Regular symptoms of PTSD or whatever, and I would do the work of processing those wounds and kind of freeing up those energies to move within me there's going to be ripple effects from that healing that will change how I relate with not only the people around me, but the world around me. So yeah, if I'm relating to that, which is around me in healthier ways, it's just going to spread that. It's going to allow those healing energies to move out into relationship and into the environment and beyond. But yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. There is no separation between me and nature and between me and you on some level, you know, my health and well-being is directly correlated with your health and well-being and everybody else on the planet. A lot of deep stuff to contemplate and think about. I don't know if it, that answers your question. but It does. And it just drives me to deeper thought and deeper like contemplation. It's because these are things that like I have mused on, you know, it makes the term, uh, two terms come to mind is, I think it's microcosm reflects macrocosm. Like as we heal ourselves, our world around us begins to heal and regenerate as well. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. As above, so below. Right. right. And no man is an island. And as we heal ourselves, we also heal the community around us too. Exactly. Yeah. It, everything's contagious. Love is contagious. Fear is contagious. Trauma is contagious. You know, so yeah, the more we bring awareness to the nature of things, to the weird of things. The more we see the strings of fate, the more we can pull the strings of fate. Like reading your book was like reading sort of a, a script of my own thoughts as, as someone who deals with like post-traumatic stress disorder and things like that. Your book, I found your book to be very therapeutic and Good. it kind of sort of confirms like my own musings, like about the use you mentioned in your author's bio is about the crossroads where psyche nature and magic and healing intersect. I've mm -hmm. like thought about that. And like, you just managed to articulate what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But what's crazy is that this is this, the things like you, you've picked up on this and you know, it's an ancient concept, but what most people think about magic is what they see in a lot of other books about there. They just want to use magic to help them get what they want to help them get more money or find love or get favor with the boss or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, we could talk about that for a while too, but this kind of idea of hedonia and this idea of eudaimonia and, or hedonism on one side and then eudaimonism on the other side, 
So yeah, the well-being or, you know, happiness as that comes as a result of sensual pleasures and accumulation of things, you know, that would be kind of like the hedonism side. And then the eudaimonism side would be the happiness or the well-being that comes as a result of living in alignment with soulfulness, with living a life filled with meaning and purpose. And I think that that doesn't exclude pleasure. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy things and seek ecstasy in different ways, but there's a different, I don't know, different happening, happening there. So the magic for finding a better job or a better lover or, you know, whatever those, I don't think those things are necessarily bad. They, that can be very, very meaningful, but yeah, it does come from a, a worldview that I feel has led to a lot of wounding because mm-hmm. it doesn't really acknowledge the fact that everything is connected. So when we receive, we may take from others or something without knowing it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of unconscious things at work that happen with magic. So yeah, to me, magic is well, weird which is magic, is a healing. It's all about healing because it's, it's nature. It's like nature naturally heals. Nature doesn't need to be taught how to heal. It just does so. And so what does that even mean? Like, what is healing? Where is healing going towards? Like, what is the point of healing? You could say it's to stay alive, to reproduce, to continue the species and to continue evolving. But Yeah, I do think that magic is in this process of evolution itself and that magic in itself is a being that's kind of becoming more and more aware within us as we become more and more aware of magic at the same time. And that is a very healing process where where magic in us and nature reunite in this spiritual center in the hearth, in the home, where we all kind of realize we are one together and and then into infinity you know we go so it does get into mysticism and you know all that but it's a mystical magic it's a healing magic more so than a pleasure magic but it it also is a pleasure magic too it's tricky yeah because not everyone you know some people have wounds that they will live with the rest of their life and some people have really horrible lives where they will suffer a lot and so the point is not to like be re- relieved of all of that. It's to it's just to become more and more whole, to allow more and more energy to move through. And I could go on on tangents for this forever, but this is the podcast um, for it. We, we have, yeah, this is the tangent. If you want to elaborate a little more, you're welcome to. That this is a free form. This we want to hear what you have to say. You know, because yeah. this this book that you have put out here, I feel could definitely help people work towards wholeness in their lives and yeah. be able to heal the source of their magic, which comes from within. You know. Yeah, yeah, healing magic. I think it's just like magic is amazing, right? It's what is it? I don't know. It's it's a mystery, it's powerful, it's very real. We're obviously all suffering. I mean, our world is, things aren't looking good. I mean, there's a lot of things that are amazing, of course. You know, it's, it's a beautiful, magical place, as is. 
but you look around the world and you see so much suffering and it's like, wait, if magic is real, then why don't we live in a more just world? Like why, why are so many people suffering? I don't think that means that magic is not real. I just think that magic isn't being utilized in a very important way, in a very natural way for healing. And so I encourage people to look at magic in that way as, a, as this thing that, that we can use to heal and just bring eudaimonic wellness to each other. And we can weave our own fate. We can fulfill our destiny. We can become that which we are meant to become that we know. I mean, we all feel it. We know that we are meant for more or for something. And we have this distant memory so I, like what you said that when you read the book that, you know, I was able to put words to things that you already thought. And I think that, you know, it's the same for me. It's like this stuff is not really new, but it's like a memory. It's like when you read it, it's like, a, oh, yeah, I knew that. And it was the same for me when I was writing it. It's like it didn't feel like it was mine or anything. It was just a memory returning like, oh, yeah. And I think that's what happens when we attune to the call of the fates in our own ways, to our own weird, and follow that flow or those, follow the synchronicities, follow what feels meaningful and purposeful, that we enter into the stream of remembering, remembering who we really are and what we really are and where we are going. And, and that remembering is kind of the ultimate healing process of returning to source where where all magic comes from and where where all nature comes from and all all being consciousness existence and this returning is is the ultimate healing and what could be weirder than that you know that's just it's such a weird bizarre process of remembering that those truths and kind of letting go of the things that don't serve us and realizing our essence and, you know, and what, what could be more magical and transformative than all that too. That's beautiful. I like, I like the uh, visualization that, that you just provided with that. But I also want to ask what inspired you to put this concept between two covers? What was the catalyst that made you put pen to paper and, birth this book out into the world when i found that concept weird and it wasn't the first time that i saw the concept but you know a number i don't know how many times but something about seeing that it it just connected all the dots and so weird gave me a language to describe experiences that i had had over the course of my lifetime and it kind of connected all these dots that I had been wanting to express for a really long time, but I didn't know how. I've been a musician since I was a teenager and writing music, performing music. I've been exploring psyche, the mind, reality for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I've gone, I've gone deep into a lot of spaces and experimented with psychedelics, with different mm-hmm magical traditions and Eastern traditions and whatnot. And so the yearning to explore, to experiment and to express has always been just kind of a part of who I am. And then when I found weird, it just, like I said, tied everything together. And I think I finally had this like 
vocabulary to express what I wanted to say. So the catalyst, you know, there were many catalysts, but I think that, you know, that, and that was like t- somewhere around 20, summer of 2019 when I started writing the book, you know, I, I came across the concept of weird some months before that, but then when I did, everything just started to turn and I I knew that it was going to happen. Like I could see it. I could see it really was fate. It, it really was this feeling of like, oh, yep, this is fate. <laughs> this is destiny. This is magic. This is this is soul. And it, it was weird, right? It's kind of. I think you get you get it because you're laughing. You you know, it is hard to describe though. Yeah. It it's kind of like every time, like when you were talking about that, I thought about a term I learned. Whenever I was in seminary in 25 was finitum non compax infinitum. It's like we're just down here, which means the finite cannot comprehend the infinite. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just like a, we're sitting down here trying to articulate all these divine subjects. And it's kind of like an ant trying to comprehend how a car works. We get a small concept of it. <laughs> but sometimes we just have to let go trying to put our concepts, on, our human concepts on stuff and just let spirit work. Yep. That's why I love Taoism a lot. That saying you just said, I think the Tao Te Ching starts with something like the Tao can be talked about, but not the eternal Tao. And I think Tao and weird are synonymous. So yeah, I mean, it is a, it's ultimately a mystery and it's more about experience than it is about the intellectual understanding of it. Though intellectual understanding is a part of the experience Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. essence, the essence is undescribable. It's just, but it is experienceable. So what is next for you? Are, you? are you working on another book? What is next for Ash? Well, next, I have started working on another book, but it's kind of on the back burner a little bit. I mean, it's it's still warm and it's cooking and <laughs> you know, I'm adding little herbs to it and coming up with a nice tea. But yeah, I'm kind of with the timing of Weirdcraft just coming out. I'm just focusing on that and doing podcasts like this. And I'm going to be doing some in-person events at different bookstores and just trying to get out there and do conferences and meet people, talk about this, explore. You know, I'm, I'm doing therapy I want to include more of kind of weird into therapy. I have done it a good amount, but I want to do weird process groups where groups of people will get together and explore weird together, explore meaning, explore purpose, explore fate and destiny and magic and soul together and see what happens. You know, it's like a group experiment in a way and a group ritual. And, but also, you know, with, with the underlying my skill or knowledge or whatever as a psychotherapist kind of included in that, or as I like to say, psyche therapist, which is just soul, psyche, soul, soul therapy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but yep. Got another book kind of stewing and we'll see, we'll see when and how that unfolds. I'm super excited for that. I certainly hope you make it down to, the Midwest, especially around St. Louis, because I think it would be, it would just be really cool for that message to reach down here. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to go down there. I'm going to be in Ohio in February, early February, 
but that's not going to be a longer book tour or anything. It'll just be a weekend. I, I love the Midwest. I grew up there, so. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm a, I grew up in southeastern Oklahoma, and I remember the first time I moved up here to St. Louis and just like the dialect of English. One of the things about St. Louis is, or even just about this portion of the Midwest in general, is the way they say the number four. They say far, like a I forty four. Yeah. And I was like, what for what? Why do you keep saying four? I'm like far, I forty four, and I go, oh my gosh. And so it's like I moved to a different country, and I lived in culture shock for about three months. Mm-hmm. And everybody had the audacity to ask me if I'm from Texas. <laughs> no offense to anybody How in dare Texas. They? <laughs> no offense to anybody in Texas. I love going to Texas. It's a great state, but it's the whole Oklahoma-Texas rivalry. I was sort of a, dropping a little hint at. So let's tell everyone where we can find you. Where are you in cyberspace? I am different places. Weird Wild Web, www.weirdwildweb.com. That's my webpage. It's kind of like my therapist webpage, but it's definitely not your traditional therapy. And I have an Instagram, same thing, Weird Wild Web. And of course, this is all with Y, W-Y-R-D. I have a Facebook too, just under Ash McKernan. So yeah, I have some music sites up there, but yeah, there's links to that on my Instagram. Well, Ash, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And that book is Weird Craft by Ash Kernan. I think it just came out. So I encourage everybody to go out and go to your local metaphysical bookstore or local bookstore in general and pick yourself up a coffee. Coffee. See, I've got coffee on the brain. Pick yourself up (laughs) a coffee. That too. If you drink. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was really nice talking with you and I hope we can do it again another time and maybe even in person at some point. We will definitely do it again. And I would not mind an in-person interview as well.